Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Duval, welcome into another episode of the Gen Jag Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan DeLugo. Joined, as always, I can say that now, I think. We've been doing this long enough. As always, by Jeremy Markoski. He's a contributing writer over at GenJag.com, and he's also the co-host of this show now. I think we can go ahead and just make that official. What do you think, Jeremy? That's cool. I like that a lot. Uh, it is. It feels official now. Like you said, it, it, we've been doing this. Uh, this episode three getting in, and I think uh, everything's going pretty well. So I'm glad to be a uh, uh, contributing and complete partner on this. <laughs> is this only the third episode we've done? I think so. I think this is three going wow. in, but maybe plenty more to come. For sure. It's been a couple of weeks since we talked with everybody. Uh, I had my wife's birthday and we went out of, uh, not out of town, but out to Jack's Beach for a little uh, half a week getaway type thing and celebrated out there. So we weren't able to do the podcast. And uh, But yeah, we're back, ready to talk some Jags football. There's been a lot of training camp action that we can look into a uh, lot going on with the Jaguars. Not too much roster moves in terms of uh, guys getting hurt or getting placed on IR or anything like that since last time we got together, fortunately. The only big news right now is Taven Bryan being um, out with a bone bruise, but I don't think a bone bruise in his knee, I don't think that's going to keep him out or have him in jeopardy of week one against the Colts or anything like that. Do you? No, I don't. Um, it seems to be something that, you know, he could uh, get right. You know, you've got what, two weeks now, just about, uh, you know, to get everything going. It has been a quiet period here lately for the team, which is very refreshing and very nice. Cause uh, things were getting a little hectic there for a while. It looked like, you know, in true Jaguar fashion, everything was kind of starting to unravel right in front of our eyes. Uh, you know, there's still a lot to, figure out especially on the defensive front but um you know things have settled down a little bit and we're starting to see people make some strides and, and kind of get themselves in a position to play football uh you've heard devon hamilton's name a lot and i know it's a guy that, that you're really high on somebody that i wasn't as high on but the more uh, you know i hear how good he's doing how he's stepping up and he's starting to surpass even avery jones uh, on the depth chart it, it sounds a little promising yeah, definitely. We'll get into that and a whole lot more from what I've seen from training camp and kind of just what we've gathered over the last couple of weeks. Make sure to follow myself at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter, Jeremy at Jeremy Markoski, and Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag. Of course, you can check out genjag.com for all the latest news and analysis. We've got a bunch of fun merch up there on the website, too. You can check out the shop. Again, that's genjag.com. So before we kind of jump into football talk, obviously this is a football show, but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't kind of bring up what happened earlier this week um, with Chris Conley, DJ Chark, and Doug Marone coming out and talking about the situation going on in our country right now with racial injustice and police brutality 
and, you know, just the myriad of other issues going on. Uh, I don't want to talk about it too much because we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about football. But I, I do recommend going and checking out what Chris Conley had to say. He was really eloquent, really poignant, and just I think he had a really good message that I think everybody should listen to. You can check him out, uh, his his thoughts on that over on the Jaguars website, on their Twitter, on their Instagram, Facebook, whatever. But I do highly recommend going and checking that out. And and uh, I think he's a great leader, not only as a football player, but as a man. He's an impressive guy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you said, don't want to you know, dive into it too, too much. But I mean, you know, at some point you've got to realize what's going on, you know, what the issues are and, you know, do what you can to be a part of change for the better. Um, I think Chris Conley has personified that. Um, and I think it's very clear that he stands and speaks for the team um, and he speaks for the organization. It seems like everything he says, you know, is right on line with, you know the good more values that everyone seems to have, and and they're they're taking the steps to doing the right thing to making the change, and they're using their platform, especially Chris, using his platform to you know echo good sentiments and and really keep the conversation going. So I think it's great. He's obviously become a leader in the locker room and a very important uh, you know part of this franchise. So uh, he he did say a lot of great things. I definitely encourage you all as well to take a look at that. Um, and you know it's great to see that you know going on in the locker room. Yeah, and I appreciate how they kind of talk about uh, their process of creating an actionable plan for change instead of just coming out and making kind of like a blanket statement. Uh, The Ravens, I don't know if you saw what they put out. I think everybody in the sports world has at this point, but they really kind of came out and it's one of the most powerful statements I've ever seen from a sports team in terms of making specific demands uh, about what needs to happen in the country. So that's interesting stuff. I don't want to get into the politics of it. I do believe change is needed in our country when it comes to race relations, obviously. But uh, I'm very proud uh, to be associated with Chris Conley in terms of him being a Jaguar player, me covering the Jaguars and being a Jaguar fan. So, yeah, that's going to do it for that kind of talk really because we are here to talk about football i know a lot of people probably view the podcast and just jaguars football in general as an escape uh from you know the day-to-day struggles that we're going through as a nation right now but yeah yesterday was really interesting uh i show up for practice waiting on doug marone to come for his presser on the microsoft teams app and, you know, you get a message from Jaguars PR that uh, that Doug Marone's press conference has been delayed. And then you start seeing all the tweets rolling in about um, different teams around the league canceling practice. The Jaguars decided to go ahead and practice. And how they came to that decision was after a couple hours of the whole team, including the coaches and everybody, talking with each other about what was going on. Doug Marone allowed the team to take a vote uh, to vote on if they would practice or not yesterday. And Chris Conley shared that the vote was 37 to 36 in favor of practicing, which is crazy how close it is. Uh, But 
the fact that the team went out and practiced and obviously from what I could tell, they put in a lot of work yesterday. It was a really hot day. It was a long practice and it, the practice was later in the day than normal. So they were really dealing with the heat. And I just was impressed by that. I was impressed by the effort they put out there, uh, you know, despite having such difficult things going on around them in the country. Yeah. I mean, I love the team aspect of all of this. I mean, I know that there's a lot going on, but the team is one big family and you're one unit. And I think it's great that they took the time to discuss everything as a team, took that vote. You know, there's no right or wrong in that situation. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of just what you feel. And I think that it's great that they, you know, even though like I said, it was very close and obviously people view things differently, but there wasn't a big split. Everything happened together and you did, they went out and practiced and got some work and that Florida heat, man, I'm sure they were feeling it there in the late afternoon, but it's glad to see they do things as a unit. And that's really important in the game of football. I think as the season goes on and something that we've seen here in the past in Jacksonville with fractures in the locker room has, you know, really caused some, some upside down situations uh, on the field. So to see teams moving in unity and doing things together and there are no fractures or aren't people coming out and saying conflicting statements, stuff like that. It's very promising. I like to see that. Yeah. Refreshing around here in Duval, I'd say. Hasn't been like that over the last couple of years for sure. Um, let's, I'm just going to go ahead and get into a few like training camp notes that I've noticed over the last couple of days. Not really big picture stuff, but just Interesting little tidbits that I've seen. Uh, DJ Chark yesterday, he had a fantastic catch down the field with Jared Wilson, you know, contested uh, contested the catch, but Chark was able to reel it in, just like he's been able to reel in pretty much everything from training camp so far. But so Jared Wilson was in on coverage, and it was good coverage, but Chark is just going to beat uh, defensive backs, generally speaking. But I was impressed Jared Wilson came back later on and he got a pass breakup in the end zone in coverage of James O'Shaughnessy. And uh, Jared Wilson's looked pretty good. I think um, he's a guy that going into the second full year as a starter, I think he looks a lot more comfortable. And I think that's a really good thing for the defense. Safety is definitely a big uh position for concern in my opinion so it's good to see that these guys are improving absolutely um you see a lot of of the wide receiver defensive back group you know competing a lot this training camp i think that's great and you have guys like you know terry godwin you know pushing cj henderson and you know henderson got a little bit uh you know, frustrated at times, and you saw him, you know, knock over Keelan Cole. As a young player, you got to control those emotions. But I understand these wide receivers have really been putting in a lot of work and looking great. And like you said, DJ Chark is one of those guys that you are going to expect him to make plays and beat defensive backs, especially down the field. So that's very exciting. But even some of these fringe guys, like I said, Terry Godwin, uh, you know, I heard he's making a lot of plays down in the red zone on the goal line, uh, beating defensive backs off the ball. So it's very promising to see that these guys are competing, uh, even with not having any uh, preseason games at all whatsoever. You know, the competition kind of gets stale. It seems uh, at times you're going against the same people every day. There's no change in opponent, uh, but it doesn't look like that. They're letting that get to them. It looks like the competition is still going consistently in all position groups across the field. Certainly. And 
despite, like you said, it can get kind of stagnant. I don't think that the coaches are allowing it to be that way. And I think the leaders uh, of the team are also really taking it upon themselves to make sure that everyone, it really is out there busting their butt every day. A couple other interesting notes from yesterday. Saw some punt return reps, saw Chris Claybrooks, which in all honesty, I'd be shocked if, if Chris, Chris Claybrooks is not the opening day return man at both kick and punt return. That's who the Jaguars want to be back there. Doug Marone earlier this week said they're banking on him there. But Keelan Cole also took some reps. DJ Chark took some reps. I think you've got, got other guys on the team that could also be a factor there. Doug Marone commented that he thinks Chris Thompson could be a factor as a return man as well, if need be. So the Jaguars, I think, are in a better situation uh, from a kick return and punt return perspective than they have been in recent years. It does seem that way. But at the same time, you know, this is Chris Clary Books' chance to make the team. Clay Brooks was brought in specifically for his return speed. That's going to be his his specialty going forward. And, you know, is he going to get some reps maybe in the pass game? Probably. Uh, but with no training, or not training camp, excuse me, with no preseason games, he's not going to get those reps. He's not going to get that chance to shine. So he really needs to shine and punt return. And ball security is going to be a huge thing. Um, you know, and, and I want I want to look back and see, you know, his, his time at Memphis and kind of see, you know, did he control the ball well, handle the ball well? But I think you've got a handful of guys back there uh, who can protect the ball, but his speed is just unmatched. And especially in the kick return game, like you were saying, they talked about having Chris Thompson back there, having those two speedy dudes back deep. You can do a lot of tricky things back there, and I like the way that looks. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of Chris Thompson, yesterday he was – very heavily featured in the passing game, both lining up at receiver and out of the backfield. And uh, he's a guy that, as long as he's healthy, he really is going to be a factor for the passing game, which is great. But when you look at it from Leonard Fournette perspective, I do think he's going to eat into the the passing volume that Fournette had last year. So for all you fantasy guys out there, fantasy guys and gals, that is something to keep an eye on. If Chris Thompson's out there, I do not think you're going to be getting the uh, the really high pass catching volume for Leonard Fournette this year. Probably not. You're right. Uh, I think Thompson's definitely going to be the feature pass catching back. But knowing that Fournette was a solid back out of the backfield receiving last year, it's going to allow you to do some different scheme things you know, change up your, uh, you know, play calling and really not allow defenses to get a good look at your percentages. Um, especially when it comes to, you know, when Chris Thompson in the backfield, is he always going to be just a pass catching option? Most likely, but Fournette's also going to have that ability as well. And he's going to have the ability, I heard he's doing really great with his pass protection in the backfield as well. So it allows you to uh, do a few different things with your scheme. And, you know, defenses aren't always going to be looking and saying, okay, well, Fournette's in the backfield. You know, they're not passing the ball here. You know, he, he can still catch the ball in the backfield, and he's going to be in there and pass, bro. Now, you know, in third and long situations, you may see, obviously, a lot of Chris Thompson coming out the back because he's going to give you a, a more dynamic approach. Um, but, you know, you're going to be able to keep defenses on their heels this year, you know, and I think that's really, really important. Yeah, definitely. It'll, it'll give the Jaguars a different element on offense than they have had in recent years, certainly. Uh, Colin Johnson is a guy that stood out yesterday and today. He did have one drop today, but he's just a guy that for 
six foot six, two hundred twenty pounds. Or he might be more than that. He is just unbelievable when it comes to his movement skills, getting in and out of breaks, uh, and his route running. He's constantly finding a way get, to get open, and he's really catching the ball away from his body, which is what you want to see. And he's a guy that I think this year it'll be tough for him to get on the field early on, but the more reps he gets in practice, the more comfortable he gets with this offense. I do think he's a guy that could have some staying power in Jacksonville and probably play out his whole rookie contract here and maybe earn a contract as a uh, second or third, maybe fourth wide receiver somewhere in Jacksonville or elsewhere. Yeah, he's definitely a different type of receiver than this team is used to having. I can't remember the last time we had a real big physical playtime receiver. You know, he's going to be down in the red zone, high pointing balls. He's going to pose a matchup nightmare. I think in a lot of situations, but again, I can't remember the last time the Jaguars have had something like that. And it just shows, you know, where this group is. The wide receiver group, I think is very, very deep. And now that you've got a few different guys who can do a few different things, um, it sets you up really nicely. So, he might not see the field a lot, but he'll see the field in key situations, uh, you know, where you need that size, like I said, down the red zone. We talked about it before. Him and Eifert, I think, are going to provide, uh, you know, some nightmare matchups down there when you get close to the end zone. Uh, and it also allows you to look at the rest of your wide receiver core and see, you know, maybe we can move one of these guys, build some depth elsewhere. You know, the trade market, I think, is going to be hot here real soon. Uh, teams are going to start realizing what they really, really need. I'm surprised we haven't seen more moves uh, prior to the season, but I think, you know, the Jags may need to look into moving a guy like maybe Cole, uh, you know, maybe Westbrook. You've got guys like Godwin, uh, you know, performing really, really well. Um, you know, you've seen a lot of praise from him, um, you know, and so you will have the flexibility to maybe go out and get another defensive tackle or maybe go out and get, you know, another DB, a linebacker, something, a safety. So we need to really kind of sure up some of those questionable spots on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I definitely don't think not to not to completely disagree with you. I definitely don't think though that they would be making a move for a safety or a linebacker. Not because they couldn't use an upgrade at starting safeties, but they obviously feel very comfortable with Ronnie Harris and I think they like Jared Wilson more than a lot of people on the outside do, but they also really like uh Andrew Wingard and Daniel Thomas behind those guys. So I don't think they make a move at safety, and I think they're deeper at linebacker than they have been in a long time. When you look at Joe Schobert, Miles Jack, I think Cassius Marsh and uh, Leon Jacobs will compete at Sam, as well as Caleb Von Chase on some. And then you've got Shaq Quarterman at backup middle linebacker and Quincy Williams at uh, backup weak side. So I think they're good there, but you mentioned defensive tackle. It's hard to say. Uh, where they're at with defensive tackle. Obviously, you got Jernigan, who's been practicing. You've got Devon Hamilton, the rookie, who's been practicing and improving a lot. You've got Taven Bryan, who's injured right now, as we mentioned, and Avery Jones. I do think you're right that they could use another defensive tackle, and I would not be mad at all to see any of these wide receivers outside of DJ Chark or the rookies moved to get some more uh, quality 
a quality starter at defensive tackle or more quality depth because stopping the run is so imperative for this team that has not been able to stop the run uh, really at all since 2017. Yeah. People, you know, were gashing us last year up the middle, you know, outside the tackles everywhere. Running the ball was just, you know, the kryptonite for the team. And I think history goes to show, and I know you want to be optimistic and, you have guys that are performing well in training camp and all that stuff's great, but you can always get better. And I think a lot of times we've seen the team get complacent with players in certain positions, and it hasn't always you know, played out as well as you would have liked it to, which I understand that's part of the game that happens, but it's all too familiar here in Jacksonville. You can always get better. And I think if you have a strength, if you have a deep position, you know, go out, maybe make a move, find somewhere else. You, you know, we are, like I said, I understand they like, you know, the wind guards and the safeties and, and some of those younger guys and Jared Wilson. Yeah, they might like that too, but we can always get better. And I think in the past, these guys really haven't performed enough to say hey, they're solid. They're locked in. Ronnie Harrison definitely needs to make uh, a big jump this year. I like Ronnie Harrison a lot. Um, I really do. I think it was a great pick, but I think he's definitely got to step up and, and solidify his spot. And like I said, that Sam linebacker position, you know, you're, you're leaving up to some guys that haven't really proved a lot in the NFL yet. I mean, they've played decent, but you can always get better. You can always go out and get a better linebacker, maybe. You know, I understand that you want to be loyal to these guys, and, and you know, they're they're with the team, and it's a little bit easier than just throwing somebody new in the mix. But, again, I want to hammer it home. I think you can always get better and shouldn't shy away from that. Yeah, I do kind of also think, like, if you're trading Didi or Keelan or Conley even, which I wouldn't want to do just because he's such a good leader, but – if you're trading one of those guys, it's not like you're going to be getting an uh, an established starter back, in my opinion, unless a team's just really desperate for wide receiver help. Yeah, you may not be getting, you know, a first, second, you know, third round pick, uh, but maybe maybe a guy that's got a little bit more tape. Uh, you know, again, I'm thinking just from from depth, you know, standpoint. Wide receivers are so deep. Some of these other position groups are not deep. Once you kind of get you know, down one or two guys, you might be left on an island out there with, with some of, you know, these guys they have. So just a thought, you know, I mean, obviously I definitely understand where you're coming from. We don't have, you know, home run guys that we're going to, you know, be making blockbuster trades with, but you know, it's definitely something to explore. Yeah. I wouldn't be mad if they went and got another defensive tackle, you know, even via free agency though, there's good defensive tackles still on the market. In my opinion, at least guys that I think would come in here and raise the floor of the bottom of your defensive tackle spot for sure. Now, moving on a little bit, uh, we should note Josh Lambeau was perfect in practice yesterday, connecting on six of six field goal attempts. Um, he played really well. Caleb on chase on, he kind of struggled a little bit in one-on-ones uh, on Thursday, but then when it got into team drills, he played a lot better and he was able to get some pressure. And then again today, he looked good. And he looked better in the one-on-one work today. And prior to the one-on-one work, he was working uh, off to the side with Jason Rebrovich, the Jaguars defensive line coach. And they were working on hand placement, placement, spin moves, all sorts of stuff. And then you saw him be able to translate that to the drills And I thought that was very encouraging because he's a guy that when you're just standing next to him, he really looks the part. He's 6'3", 254 pounds. He's chiseled. Um, Josh Allen, 
is bigger than he is and is bigger than Caleb on Chase Han, but Chase Han has a really impressive uh, stature and build as well. So I think he's a guy that has kind of gone through the ups and downs of being a rookie during training camp. And he should, he might not be consistent, which is a problem with a lot of rookies and the problem with relying on a lot of rookies. But I do think he's going to make some incredible plays for the Jaguars. And as the season goes on, develop more consistency. Yeah, I think uh, he has looked well. Um, he's looked, he's looked pretty good. Um he does have a big body. I think he's a physical specimen. I think he's great. He does have some things he needs to work on, but I think he's at a spot where he's not going to have to be thrown in the fire right away. You still have Josh Allen. You know, the defensive end group, you know, seems to have some guys who can be capable of playing. Some of them I'm excited to see. So, you know, he may not have to be dropped in right away. Uh, he's put in a lot of extra work, which is fantastic, which is great. Uh, some things that I saw, you know, out of him, he was working on, uh, you know, the, the chop and spin that we've seen Josh Allen do a ton. Uh, he's got to work on staying closer uh, to the blocker. I saw him do it on the bags a little bit. Um, and, you know, once he gets that spin around the corner, he doesn't really keep his shoulders connected. You get too far outside, you're going to allow that offensive lineman to, you know, keep kicking and recover uh, and square you back up. So he's got to stay a little bit closer, and his movement needs to be a little bit more fluid. Um, he does seem like a little choppy at times. Um, I saw a video of him running the hoop drill um, on Twitter also. And he needs to elongate those strides and really bend the edge fluidly. Uh, but he's done some promising things, you know, and, and the competition is going to be good for him. You know, he's going to get beat and, you know, kind of see where he needs to fix his moves. I've talked about it before. If he can hone a signature move and really get one down that he can win consistently with, you know, it, it's going to be beneficial to him. Um, and having Josh Allen, you know, be a mentor, someone who's had success in this league as a rookie, I think is, is key for him, you know, to, to learn from Josh, see what exactly works, what exactly he can do. Uh, so it's going to be exciting to see what kind of production we get out of him week one. Definitely. And I think Dewan Smoot's another defensive end that's going to kind of hold Chase on off the field a bit because he's playing really well. The uh, The coaching staff is loving his progress. I've loved what I've seen from him. I think if you have uh, on some third down type packages, if you can get Dewan Smoot playing inside next to Josh Allen, I just think that's going to be really tough for that that side of the offensive line to deal with those two coming at you. I love Dewan Smoot. Um, I think he's got a chance. He's one of those guys that I was referencing earlier who has a chance to really step up uh, and kind of cement his place in the league. You know, he wasn't a, a flashy, you know, guy that you know that we were bringing in originally. We knew he was going to be a project, but he, he's looked the part. He's done well. Um, had some good numbers last year. I know that that kind of pace, keeping those numbers up is going to be a little more difficult, but uh, he's definitely another rotation guy. I think it's going to be important um, and to take some of that load off chase on, you know, so he's not uh, kind of being leaned on as a premier guy right away. Uh, Cause I think, it, it, you know, it'll, that'll benefit him, uh, you know, to kind of get into situations where he can perform his best, get into situations where he can pin his ears back and just rush the passer until he gets a little more comfortable um, doing some other things. And I think, the competition between the D line and the O line has been absolutely phenomenal all throughout camp. I mean, you saw Robinson, uh, Cam Robinson, left tackle, put uh, Josh Allen down the other day on a little pancake block there. Um, Allen's got to be a little bit better on that stunt move, but it was very impressive to see Cam not only pass off Josh Allen and get him to the ground, uh, but still kick out and get to the other man on the stunt and secure that block. So. Um, there have definitely been some really impressive things uh, that have been coming out. I know Ben Barch also looked really good in the one-on-ones and, and the group uh, 
the group drills today as well. Big, solid body. I love how sturdy he is. He can square up defenders. It looks like they have him playing mostly guard, too, from what I saw. So I think he's going to be a big square body to keep these defensive linemen in front and intact. So I really think um, that the competition between these two groups is really going to benefit everybody down the road. Yeah, I agree. The offensive line and defensive line competition has been it's been impressive. I don't know if these groups, either of them, are going to be elite, but I do think the offensive line has looked a lot better than a lot of people expect. I think Cam Robinson really is much more healthy and really is in a much better situation heading into this year than he was last year. Obviously, Jawan Taylor going into his second year. And even Andrew Norwell, who everybody loves to hate on, He's been average for the Jaguars, which is not what you want from a guy that you make the highest paid guard in football. But he has been a guy that's been playing with a chip on his shoulder in camp so far, and he's looked really good. He's put some guys on their ass. And so I think the offensive line could be looking up for sure. Now, I know C.J. Henderson is a guy that a lot of people are going to want to hear about. I think he's had an up-and-down camp. He's obviously missed some days. I think he played very well yesterday and today now today the Jaguars were without 30 players uh just a little maintenance day as they prepare for their big scrimmage tomorrow on Saturday inside the stadium so I think that uh, I think that Henderson is like Chase on going through some rookie bumps and bruises but Today, he had a really good practice. He didn't allow completion and coverage, and he was targeted several times. He uh, got a nice pick in coverage of Colin Johnson deep down the field. May have been a little tugging on the jersey by Henderson, but still an acrobatic catch, athletic play against a really big receiver who's been having a good camp. I'm encouraged by Henderson, but he is going to have some ups and downs as a rookie. There's no question about it. Uh, he shows a lot of promise, um, I will say, but young player, he's got to keep cool, uh, you know, and, and kind of not let things get to his head. That's what's something I've seen throughout camp is, you know, that, that one very frustrated, you know, shoulder he threw to Keelan Cole. I know Keelan Cole kind of brushed it off and didn't really make too much of it, but in that locker room, these are your guys. You've got to stay calm, cool, collected. You're going to get beat. It's going to happen. Be better the next rep get better, realize why you got beat, and don't get beat again. Um, he did have a nice catch today. That interception was pretty impressive. Um, looked like he was beat a little bit. Looked like Colin Johnson got some space on him and, and the ball's a little underthrown, but sort of recover, find the ball, and make that catch. You know, it, it's still an interception. It goes down the same way. Uh, it was a very athletic play, so um, the recovery was impressive. And, I, you know, I don't think you can expect him to be – this lockdown, I don't think he's as polished as, you know, let's say Jalen was, you know, coming out uh, of FSU. I think uh, CJ Henderson has the skill set and the ability to be a pure lockdown corner, uh, but I think it's going to take him a little time to get there. Uh, so, you know, keep his head on, keep his mind clear, learn, focus, get better every day. I think you'll see some improvement from him. Maybe a little bit tough to, to start, um, but he's a guy that they're going to have to lean on as uh, a first round pick. You know, he's, he's going to have to be one of those guys, um, one of those guys that you can throw on somebody's best receiver um, and, and have him lock that guy down, somebody that you can use to take another player out of the game. Um, so, you know, we're, we're going to expect some big things from him, but I do think it's going to take some time. Yeah, and I think it's going to be about establishing confidence as much as anything in terms of 
you know, once the season actually gets going. Because I do think he is going to need to cover the opponent's best receiver more more often than not. Trey Herndon, he's had an up-and-down camp. He hasn't been as consistent as I would have hoped, I would say. But he's a guy that – he's a gamer as well, and he's a hard worker. I think Herndon will end up being all right this year. But I do think when you're talking about a skill set, C.J. Henderson has a skill set to cover pretty much any receiver in football. It's about establishing the confidence, establishing the consistency with his game. And uh, if he can do that, you know, if he can get that confidence, the sky could be the limit for him even early on. But I do think there's going to be some some ups and downs for him early on in, in the 2020 season. Um, so, yeah, earlier when we first started talking about CJ, I mentioned – the Jaguars sat out 30 players today uh, in preparation for that scrimmage tomorrow. So that's going to be a huge day of practice. And Jay Gruden talked about that with the media earlier today. He said he's really liked where the offense is at this point. Just a couple weeks ago, he said it was in diapers. So for him to go from that to saying that he's impressed with the offense, happy with the offense, really encouraged by what he's seen in recent days, uh, I think that's a good thing. I think Jay Gruden isn't the guy that's always going to be sunshine and rainbows. So to hear him come out and acknowledge that the offense is where it needs to be is good. He talked about what he wants to see from the scrimmage tomorrow. He really wants to see a lot of up-tempo, and he wants to see a lot of um, execution. Obviously, you want to see execution. Anybody would say that. But he wants to see the tempo uh, of the offense and really just kind of getting the timing down of everything. And let's see what else he said here. Uh, he wants to see urgency, which goes along with tempo, obviously. And he says, like I said, that he th- he thinks the offense is in a good place, but again, just thinks that they can go a lot faster. So it'll be interesting to see if they can do that and more of you know what's going to be closest to a live game setting that they have before week one against the Colts, which is just over two weeks away now. Uh, Tomorrow's going to be the biggest day so far in this camp, in my opinion. I think it's going to be something that we really, really need to see the strides this team is taking. We need some best-on-best action. You've got to see you know, where Minshew's at. Um, you know, it's, it's Like you said, it's the first time they're going to get some real game action does have me a little bit nervous, but, you know, like you said, Gruden, he's not always been a guy who's who's just going to, you know, gas everybody up. I understand this training camp, and you're not really going to come out and say, hey, man, these guys really aren't playing or looking bad, but um, he is one to be honest. It does leave me, uh, you know, a little bit of area for speculation to kind of see how good they are going to be as a unit, and we'll see that tomorrow. Um, you see a lot of good stuff coming out of team uh, from both sides of the ball. Uh, from the training camp videos that we've seen. So it's exciting um, for sure. I do like the thought of this team playing up-tempo offense. It's not something we've seen in Jacksonville um, historically really at all. Uh, we don't really, I don't think we've ever really had the uh, the team and the, and the squad to really do that. But I think we might this year. I think, you know, I think Gardner could, could really be great, um, you know, in tempo situations, controlling the offense down the field. Now, I don't know if they're going to go, you know, no huddle, hurry up style, but Let's keep the ball moving. Let, let's expand on those positive plays and just keep going. So I wonder if they're going to do some of that, um, you know, in tomorrow's scrimmage. And I'm not talking, you know, just like in the two-minute session, um, but, you know, throughout the entire 
time? You know, can we get some movement, some up tempo in the offense, get things rolling a little bit quicker? Uh, I think, you know, if you start hot, you can stay hot and there's no reason to kind of slow yourself down. So I think this team definitely has the ability to do that. And I kind of like that thought from Jay. Yeah, 100%. He also talked about the quarterback group as a whole. He's really pleased with Gardner, as I think he should be. There hasn't been anything that I've seen from Minshew so far in training camp that gives me pause about my belief that he is a starting quarterback in the NFL and that he can develop on what he did last year. Uh, He really raved about Glennon as well, saying he's come on the last four or five days. And I think Glennon has looked good the last couple of days. I think he struggled early on in camp, but he's in a new team, new environment, didn't have an off season to have mini camp and all that sort of stuff. So you kind of expect a new guy to come in and maybe struggle a little bit early on. But I think that's encouraging to have him as a second string guy. He also likes what Luton has done, the rookie out of Oregon State. Uh, I like Luton coming out. Um, He does have a hitch in his delivery which i'm still i'm sure they're still working on but he seems smart gardner Minshew talked about how smart luton is and he seems like a guy that can compete to uh be the third guy on the roster with josh dobbs who's also done some nice things he's just got a athletic ability dobbs does that none of the other quarterbacks really do and so he's kind of fun to watch when he gets out of the pocket and can make some things happen but uh, Gruden also mentioned that he wants to keep three quarterbacks. It's obviously not his decision. Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell get to get to make that decision, but he thinks in this this year with all the craziness going on with uh, COVID and all that, that he thinks having three quarterbacks on the active roster is the way to go. I can't disagree at all. You know, historically speaking, two is really enough. You know, if you go down two, your season's probably already in the drain anyway. Um, so that third guy could be anybody. But I think it's going to be very important to have at least three guys who are familiar and know the offense because anything can happen anytime. This is going to be the most uncertainty-filled season ever. You know, you could have a guy go down, and who knows when you're going to get him back. You're going to have to have a ready stable of quarterbacks who are ready to go at any time and can play. I think Glennon knows this is his, probably his last chance, if we're being totally honest. I don't know if he gets another job after this, if, if the Jaguars do cut him. Uh, so to see him kind of pick it up uh, is definitely you know, promising. He, I think all the quarterbacks have a little bit of a different aspect to him. You know, Glennon's your typical you know, 6'4", 6'5", big, strong quarterback, not really mobile. Gardner's got a lot of everything. You know, more of like an improviser uh, to him. He can move a little bit, but, you know, he's not a run first type of guy. And you've got Josh Dobbs, who has a different, like I said, a different uh, skill set than all of the guys. Um, and Lutton, I haven't really seen a lot of, um, but I've heard some things about him, you know, some promising things, but I've also heard some things, like I said, he's got that hitch and his release that they need to work on. Uh, but, you know, it kind of boils down to what do you think is the best, like, you know, option going forward for the team? Do you have, a veteran guy in Glennon who has that experience but wasn't looking that great? Or do you go with a guy like Lutton who, you know, has learned the offense from the ground up? It's the only one he's known. Uh, younger, probably has a little bit more promise, but it's also a little bit bigger of a question mark because you can't really put guys on the practice squad this year. I don't know how that how they're going to, you know, 
do that. I don't know if they're going to make any changes to the rules. You know, when it comes to like signing practice squad players, haven't really looked into that much. But you know, I, I don't want to see guys lost to other teams because you kind of just you know sat them on reserve in the practice squad. So I think if you're going to keep three quarterbacks, they all have to be on the active roster. Um, and you know, there's only one guy I think that's eligible for a practice squad. So I think it kind of puts Mike Glenn on the outside a little bit, to be honest. They have changed the rules for this year, practice squad wise. You are going to be able to put some guys that wouldn't be eligible in other seasons, and you also are going to be able to protect certain guys on a weekly basis. So, uh, you know, that could be an option, honestly, but I think rolling with three makes a lot of sense anyways, going into a year like this. Still, though, if Gardner Minshew goes down, these guys are in big trouble. That's the bottom line. He's by far the best quarterback, even though Glennon and Luton and um, – Dobbs have done some nice things. This offense is designed for Gardner Minshew. The play calling is centered around what Gardner Minshew does well. The only way this offense survives without Gardner Minshew is if that offensive line and Leonard Fournette are just dominating folks like they did in 2017. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Jacksonville you know, Jaguars don't really have the luxury of a premier backup. They just don't. I mean, there are some guys out there. I, you know, I thought about possibility of them bringing Bortles back he's still out there on the market you know team familiar um don't necessarily think they're looking at other options right now um but you're right Gardner is, is by far the best quarterback on the roster and we don't have that that luxury backup so um I guess it really doesn't matter if you lose him season's probably over could you imagine having a quarterback room with Gardner Minshew and Blake Bortles I thought Blake Bortles was like the most Duval a quarterback could get and then, of course, Gardner Minshew comes in and blows him out of the water in terms of being entertaining and being a blue-collar guy and all that fun stuff. But uh, that would be really something. I wouldn't be, be mad about it. Super entertaining. I would love to see it. No, yeah, like you said, you have the two most Jacksonville dudes who did ever come through that locker room all back doing it again. Could you imagine how much Bud Light those two might consume together? Yeah, and they could get a lot of it for free if they just keep drafting Minshew in the first round of fantasy drafts. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so we've talked about the quarterbacks a bit we've touched on the wide receivers um jay gruden talked about dj chark today and he's so impressed with dj and of course who isn't i mean the guy's a stud and he said really he can't think of a weakness in dj chark's game and going from what dj chark was as a rookie in 2000. 18 to being a guy that is so complete now and so driven to be great now it's really just been a fantastic turnaround and if you have the option to get him in your fantasy draft talking about fantasy football a little bit i would get him early early and often definitely one of the most promising i don't want to say projects because really wasn't a project you know he was somebody who was expected to come through and make an impact out of lsu and that rookie season was a little disappointing. Let's be honest. You know, it's, it's, it is what it is. It was, but to see him bounce back and become the player he has become, I think is just absolutely fantastic. And again, don't remember the last time that's kind of gone on in Jacksonville. You've seen a lot of first round uh, talent kind of guys. And I know that not the same situation, but you know, kind of show promise, pop and fizz out. I think we have that a lot. We have guys come in, show pop, show promise, fizz out kind of around here. It took a little bit to kind of find the groove, but now he's definitely, you know, if you look back on it, probably if you go through that draft, he's definitely probably a first round talent with his production out of last year. Yeah, no question about it. He's been 
just so fun to watch him grow and develop. And uh, now I kind of want to take a look at our big picture thoughts. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since we kind of talked about where we think the team is as a whole and just kind of where do you think the Jaguars are going to be winning and where do you think they're going to be kind of falling short as a team this year? I'm not too ready to jump on the hype train yet. I think I still need to see, uh, you know, some real action uh, from them. I do think that the AFC South is wide open. You know, I, I think the AFC South is one of the, you know, most questionable divisions in football. I don't think you can sit down and say, you know, that, you know, this team's definitely going to win. The Titans are going to have to come back and have, you know, they got hot at the right time last year. They're going to have to come back and carry that momentum again. Um, you know, with, with, with Tannehill and the history he's had, can he do that again? Um, you know, the Texans lost DeAndre Hopkins. It's a big, big missing piece of their offense. Uh, and then you've got the Colts having a brand new quarterback for the first time, um, you know, in, in the last couple of years. Um, they had that great run between Manning and Luck, and last year was kind of a dud for them. But now they've got a guy in Phillip Rivers, uh, you know, a true veteran, um, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks to never win a Super Bowl. And this division is for the taking. If the team can find the right ways to win and really win, you know, its divisional games and find a couple of games outside the division here and there, they could probably pull it together. Um not completely bought in though yet. I still need to see a little bit more. I need to see production from the offensive line. They really need to step up uh, there this year, and I think they will. But we need to see it. You know, you can't really bank on anything you haven't seen yet. The depth of the offensive line does bother me a little bit. I think you've got a very clear cut cliff when it comes to um, you know your five or six you know probable rotational guys. You know, including. Ben Barge, because I've seen some great stuff at him, but I've also seen, you know, some poor play, uh, you know, some from some of the rotational guys and some of the back end guys. So I need to see more depth in the offensive line, or at least that first unit coming together and just playing extremely well. Because I think losing one of them, you know, might be a tough thing. But where we're at right now, the defense is definitely going to be the biggest question mark, I think. And I can I can see this team, you know, coming back again and getting to six wins. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that you can see them doing a lot worse. I don't think they're going to be a bottom feeder in the NFL this year. I don't think that at all. But I don't I don't see the team coming and flipping the script and, and becoming, you know, a division winner or a playoff team. Uh, it's possible, but it's going to be hard, uh, you know, to kind of envision that right now. Yeah, I, I do think the talent is there on this team, but it is just so young and so inexperienced. And even some of the veteran guys that are talented for the team, they're new. Joe Schobert, Timmy Jernigan, guys like that. So I do think the talent's there when you talk about Minshew, Chark, the rest of the receiving core, Tyler Eifert, James O'Shaughnessy. I think they've got plenty at running back with Fournette and Thompson and Armstead and Azigbo. Uh, and I, I do like uh, – I think we will see a little improvement from the offensive line like you mentioned. But stopping the run on a week-to-week basis when you're relying on Devon Hamilton, who's a rookie – you're relying on uh, Ronnie Harrison and Jared Wilson both going into their second years as a starter, and uh, you just got a lot of youth out there, a lot of new guys. I I'm looking at six and ten, seven and nine, kind of where I've been thinking. Now, is this a team that could make a jump if Gardner Minshew catches fire, or if Devon Hamilton comes out and plays as good as Marcel Darius was before his injuries? then you're talking about a different story, in my opinion. Because if Devon Hamilton can come out and stop the run like Marcel Darius was, you're talking about a defense that could potentially force a lot of third downs 
and then feast on third down with Josh Allen, Taven Bryan, Caleb Von Chason, and some of those other pass rushers. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if, if the defense comes out and surprises everyone and is a stout defense and, and, and they're forcing the team, you know, the, the opposing offense off the field and they're forcing teams to punt the ball, uh, that's going to be great. And, and you don't, you know, it'll allow the offense to control the game a little bit more. But I think it's going to be a lot of the offense trying to play catch up or the offense having to go out there and win games. And like you said, with the youth of this team, it's a lot to ask of a second year quarterback of, you know, a, a, an offensive line who is led by um, a tackle coming off, you know, a serious knee injury. And this is his second full season an underperforming highly paid guard, uh, you know, and, and an inconsistent running back at times. It's going to be a lot to ask if everything comes together the right way. I can see it. I can see it. I really can. They have, like I said, they have the talent, but it's so young and it's just putting it all together. But I do think that, you know, it's, it's going to get them in, in some sticky situations because the offense is going to have to win football games. Unless the defense just comes out and surprises all of us week one. Yeah. From like a super big picture perspective, you know, beyond 2020, I think they have some of the best young talent in football and are set up to be a successful team, uh, you know, in the next couple of years. Obviously, you don't know what's going to happen with the coaching staff and front office, so it could all get blown up. But based on what they have right now and the coaching staff and front office that they currently have, I do think this is a team that, you know, if you keep all this core and nucleus together for 2021, there's probably no reason they shouldn't be a playoff contender. It's going to be the biggest question mark is, is, is can they do enough to save Marone and Caldwell? And it's kind of a question I ask myself, do I want them to? I'm not sure. I have really kind of been fed up with this regime there for a little bit, but they're getting another chance. And it's either one way or the other, man. It's either this team does not perform well at all. Everyone gets canned. We're probably doing another queen sleep of the franchise. Bring a new GM in. Chances are he's not going to want to have uh, Gardner Minshew carry on as his franchise quarterback. But if we're talking about this, we're probably in a spot where we're drafting Trevor Lawrence, if we're being honest. Or on the flip side, this team goes out, wins 10, 11 games, makes a run in the playoffs, you know, fools everyone. And, you know, then, then we start with this nucleus going forward. I think you're right. I think this is a really, really good core of young players who have a lot of promise, but for them to be able to carry that on going forward, they have to win this year because you're going to see obviously key pieces like Josh Allen, DJ Chark, you know, some of these like real cornerstone pieces. If a new regime comes in, they're not going anywhere. Get that. But the rest of the team, you know, you're not going to keep that same core. So if they want to keep this core going forward and they want to really see what they can build off, they need to win this year. Yeah, they really do. I don't know that they need to make the playoffs to keep their jobs, but they can't win six games again, I don't think. Uh, I think that would be the end for Doug Marone. And I do like what the Jaguars have done the last couple years in terms of drafting players, in terms of adding players that are really team first and talented guys in free agency. Uh, But it's not going to matter if they can't get the job done to a certain extent in 2020. But um, I, I'm a guy, I do think Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone should have been fired after this debacle of a season, you know, along with Tom Coughlin. But they are here, they are the guys, and they have done some positive things, at least Dave Caldwell has from a roster building standpoint over the last couple of years, even if he was terrible before that. 
Yeah, but I mean, I have a question for you. What do you think is the what what do you think is the number they need to win to keep their jobs? What do you think this team needs to do in order for Marone and Caldwell to keep their jobs? Do you think it's a seven or nine season? Can sit out next for the playoffs, but they can't go six and ten also. So where do you draw that line of, you know, quote unquote improvement and a, a, enough improvement for this 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 regime to keep their jobs? I'm actually not going to say I don't think that there's a specific record that they have to achieve in order to keep their jobs. What I will say is I think going into December, they need to be competing for the playoffs. And I think that that would keep the... Okay. If you're going into December and you're competing for the playoffs, that's step one. Step two, in December, you've got a lot of really tough games. I don't think you have to win those games. But if you're competitive on the road against the Vikings, if you're competitive on the road against the Ravens, if you're competitive against the Bears towards the end of the season, I think just being competitive in those games, as long as you were competing for the playoffs going into that December stretch, I think that will be enough. Uh, yeah. I mean, and I'm I, not sure that's going to make Jaguars fans happy. Doesn't sound like it's going to make you happy. But I, <laughs> I, I do think, though, if you're competitive against the Vikings and Ravens in December, after you know being a team that's in the playoff race prior to that, even if you don't win those games, I think that's going to be enough to keep the jobs. And whether or not that's a good thing or not, I'm not sure. Like I said, I do think this team – as a whole, is moving in the right direction. What do you think about that? I think so, but I mean, again, it's so hard to tell. You know what's going to be here next year? Who's going to be here next year? I think that's the biggest question mark. The team is obviously moving in the right direction. They have young players who outperformed where anybody thought they could do last year. And I mean, after Nick Foles broke his collarbone. Uh, it, it it seemed like everything was was done for, and Gardner played well. And you do have young players playing well. I personally think that just competing and being in the race isn't enough because you know that's it's like giving a participation trophy. We're so used to having these three and thirteen, four and twelve, you know, these terrible, terrible seasons piling up that we're like, oh, six and ten. Hey, man, we'll take that. But I think. Now that you've gotten to that six and ten mark, you got to take the next step. You got to keep improving, keep taking the next step. That's what you know these traditionally power franchises do. They're always getting better. They're always taking the next step. And I think sometimes we get too complacent here in Jacksonville with improvement. We don't get uh, excited enough for, and maybe it's just because you know it doesn't happen as often. I know the franchise is still young. You can say this, you can say that, and it's it's been a while. And that 2017 run really is completely just out of the blue and every time i you know you look back and think about it how crazy that was but that got too all fired up could you imagine that year in year out and i think that if they finally get a, a taste of that again things are going to be great but i think you've got to do more than just be competing for a spot down there in the season because there are games early on that you need to win to put you in a position to be ahead of the curve so when you do get in december and you have tough games like the Vikings and the Ravens and the bears, even that if you drop a couple of those games, you put yourself in a position to where that's not going to wipe you out of the playoffs. I think if you're on the fringe and you haven't been able to capitalize on the games, you're supposed to win early on in the season and you get there and you need to win all three to potentially make it. You're already putting yourself in a bad spot because that's probably not going to happen. So I think a little bit more than just 
need to be competing for the playoffs. I think you do need to make the playoffs, um, whether it be wild card or division win. I think you need to make the playoffs this year. Uh, you know, really show everybody that you're making that next step. Even if that's two wins and it brings you to eight and eight and that gets you in the playoffs, that's acceptable. But uh, you need to have yourself in a position uh, to, to make a run towards the end because, like you said, those three games are going to be tough towards the end of the year, and I don't think you can win all three. So you got to be able to you know, prepare for that and, and, and keep yourself in a spot to where if you don't come out with all three wins, you still have a chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, and when you're just looking at, we mentioned those three games, if you look at the entirety of the back half of the schedule, at Green Bay, Steelers at home, which the Jaguars for some reason always play the Steelers better when they're in Pittsburgh, uh, then you've got the Browns at home, Vikings on the road, Titans at home, Ravens on the road, Bears at home, Colts on the road. So that is a really tough stretch. You've got uh, two divisional opponents in there. You've got the Packers who have an excellent defense. They still got Aaron Rodgers in that run game. The Steelers should be back when you talk about Ben Roethlisberger uh, returning. And then the Browns, they obviously were a disappointment, but they're a very talented team, especially on offense. Vikings are a perennial playoff team. Titans always have the Jaguars number. Ravens might be the best team in football. Bears, they have talent on offense. Who knows what their quarterback situation, but they certainly have one of the best defenses. And, of course, the Colts. Uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be fun. Uh, I think it would be great to see the team go 8-8 eight and eight and make the playoffs. And I do think now that the playoffs uh, has expanded to seven teams, you're talking about almost half of each conference making their playoffs. So if you can't be in the top half of your conference, I I don't think you should keep your job when you've already had these two straight losing seasons before this, where you're talking about Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell. I'm just saying what I think would happen. I do think if this team is competitive in the playoff race going into December and they keep playing competitive football but lose a couple of those games and don't make it, I think those guys will keep their jobs. Don't know if they should, but I think that's what would happen. Yeah, it's all about changing the culture. It's all about changing the norms. Like you said, the Titans always have our number. you got to change that. you got to go out and become – uh, you know, a fearsome divisional opponent. You know, you can't just be somebody that, you know, the team checks off as a W every week. And I think that really is going to come into play this season a lot. Can you go win at least four divisional games? And that's where you got to start. You got to win at least four divisional games. And again, in a much less competitive, I think, con- you know, one of the most least competitive divisions, I think, you know, it's, it's open to anybody. And I think that, you know, Besides last year, I think it was definitely an anomaly with with the way that the Titans performed uh, and the Texans as well. But there, there's there's a chance for you to go and, and take that division. So you got to win at least four divisional games. Then you got to go and beat teams like the Dolphins, Bengals, Browns, Lions, um, even the Chargers. See, when you go win the games that you're supposed to win, that you need to win, it makes it easier when you go to Lambeau later in the year and you've got you know a matchup with the Bears, the Ravens, and the Vikings. You know, so I, I, the second half of that schedule is quite the gauntlet it really is i looked at it you know when we first started talking about it, i think the first episode we did we looked at the schedule a little bit and um it's definitely definitely a little worrisome uh, some of those teams you got in the back half but if you go win the games you're supposed to win and you're competitive in the division you will put yourself in a good spot to steal a game or two and get yourself in the position you need to be to make the playoffs yeah 
I think you can certainly say that the Jaguars are very fortunate with having that tough stretch be in the back half of the season to where you can get Gardner Minshew in this offense some confidence. You can get Devon Hamilton rolling, stopping the run, maybe get Chase on kind of getting comfortable getting after the passer and C.J. Henderson covering some of these top flight receivers. You have an easier start to the season and a tougher road down the stretch. I think any team would rather have it be tough down the stretch than tough to start. Yeah, and we talked about a hot start being something that the Jags need this season. So, um, yeah, you definitely need that 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 tough stretch to be in the back end when you're in full season form. Um, and hopefully you're playing really well. Hopefully you've won some games early, you know, through that stretch. You've got some confidence and you're going, you know, to Green Bay. You're going, you know, to face teams like that. And you're going in there to hopefully get a victory. Hopefully, you know, be competitive. And, and you should be playing your best football, you know, come December. So, uh, you know, hopefully that works out for them. Yeah, hopefully it does. I think that's going to do it for the show. We clocking in at just under an hour right now. We kind of really talked a lot of big picture stuff, which was fun, and also talked about plenty of training camp stuff going on. Um, like I said, the Jaguars have scrimmage tomorrow. They're actually going to broadcast that live, I think, on their Twitter, maybe Facebook, maybe on the team website. You can go check it that check out their social media to figure out exactly where they're broadcasting it. But that should be fun because fans haven't really gotten the chance to watch training camp yet. So watching that scrimmage, I think it starts at 945, 945 to 1145. That should be a good little bit of content for fans to take in for the weekend. Hopefully they avoid injuries. Hopefully you see some up-tempo offense like we talked about and just a lot of solid play all around from the team. That's going to do it for the show. Uh, make sure to go follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Markoski. Follow myself at Jordan, excuse me, at Jordan DeLugo. And follow Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag. And check out genjag.com for all the latest news and analysis. We appreciate you listening, Duval, and have a great weekend. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.